Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. you got to make that two-hour session the most important part of your day, you know, for those players. So whenever, you know, you had a session at six o'clock and, you know, you've been working all day, you know, stuck in the office doing loads of paperwork or whatever it might be, you know, ultimately then kids turn up at six o'clock for that two-hour session. Yeah, they've had a full day at school. You've got to make sure that that two-hour session is the best two hours. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies. I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds an FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas and today I'm joined by my co-host Ben. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Mike Scott. Mike is the Head of Academy Coaching at Derby County. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thank you. Perfect. Um, Mike, we're just going to get straight into it, you know, just get straight to the nitty gritty. Just want to know a bit about your coaching journey, where it started and how you got into coaching. Yeah, basically it started about 22 years ago. Um, stopped playing, very young. Um, I made decisions to focus on becoming a, a PE teacher and almost coaching football, really, uh, part-time. Um, so the journey started really with me coaching as much as I could across like community programmes, school programmes. You know, development centres, you know, uh, sports centres, any any sort of coaching that I could do within the community, um, I was throwing myself into it. You know, twenty four seven really. Um, you know, this, this sort of almost led then on to building a network and and, and building relationships with people that that gave me an opportunity to go and work at Birmingham City Football Club within their academy on a part time basis um, as I was training to become a PE teacher. So it was almost like two routes, really. There was a there was a route where I was working academically, doing a, I think it was a, a PE teaching degree, um, and then also a route of developing my sort of coaching badges at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having that security, knowing that you know you're always going to have a job in mm-hmm. teaching, um, but also still working towards, you know, developing. As a, as a coach and developing skills, which ultimately would help me as a as a PE teacher, but also would help me uh, develop as a coach. Um, I was fortunate as well at the time 
due to all this the sort of coaching that I was doing, the links that I was doing, um, to, to almost network with other PE teachers that were running district teams. Um, mm. And I was I was asked to sort of run a district team at, when I was about sort of 19. Um, so I was running like a solid district team, which was which was brilliant because, you know, every Saturday morning, you know, I was, I was taking lads from, from around the sort of uh, the Midlands area playing, you know, competitive football in the district league. Um, I, did, I did that voluntary, you know. Uh, a lot of the other stuff that I talked about there was, you know, there was a lot of voluntary work that I'd thrown myself into just to try and get better, really, as a coach. Mm. And just just on that then, you know, you talked there about working as a volunteer, you know, in many of those roles. What would you say is really key for, I mean, because I know a lot of coaches out there, who, especially looking to get into the game in particular, you know, that they're not really a big fan of going down the voluntary pathway because, you know, they're trying to balance that with work, um, I guess, income, and maybe how much they need to support themselves and their families if they've got them. What would you say is some of the challenges you face at that stage? They obviously, you, know, you said it's 22 years ago, we're going back almost, but did you have any of those challenges yourself? Um, no, because I, I, I don't know what it is, but my mindset was always... If you if you sort of throw yourself into something, whether it's paid or voluntary, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the community stuff that I was doing, I was fortunate to be getting, you know, paid and stuff. Um, you know, so so there was there was opportunities across the week where you know it might be to go in. You know, I remember I was I was sort of do, helping out with the Sunday league team. You know, I wasn't getting paid for that district. I wasn't getting paid for that. You know, but it was all stuff where. It was giving you an experience, and, mm. it, and actually, if I'm being honest with you, the, the district actually helped me get my my sort of um, my second PE job actually, because um, a lot of the teachers that worked in that school um, knew me for the district. And as I say, when an opportunity came up at that school to go and be a PE teacher, it was um, almost I was almost put put to the, the front a little bit, really, based on my experiences and the fact that I'd almost gone down that route of, of working voluntary for so many years. Um, mm. So I think the mm. voluntary stuff, it says a lot about you. You know, if you're prepared to go out your way to sort of go and work and do extra, you know, without being paid or, you know, to try and gain experiences and also to try and help and develop, you know, kids. Because ultimately coaching for me, the, the whole point of doing it is to sort of help, help the kids and help the kids develop, mm. uh, give people an opportunity to fulfil whatever dreams they have you know, being a footballer and, and always giving them life skills. So I, I, I was found a lot of the voluntary work that I did always led to work, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, you know, even the community stuff, I started mm. off doing Saturday morning, you know, um, it was like Saturday morning mini soccer. You know, it was it was free at first when I was when I was doing my level two, just to try and gain experience of working with kids. Mm. And that then led to paid work, you know. So I think the one the one thing I will say is any voluntary work that you throw yourself into, you know, it, it can lead to things. Um, yeah, just on that Warsaw Football Club when I when I started working at Warsaw Football Club, originally I went to uh, the the head of um, head of the academy at the time and said, look, I don't I don't want to get paid for this. You know, just put me on a few courses and I and I'll and I'll work. You know, so. You know, in fairness to Warsaw, you know, they supported me through my A licence and, and some of the other sort of qualifications that were available at the time, like psychology ones and sports science ones and things. And, and that was almost my payment from them. But technically, I was working for free, you know, across the week. Yeah. So, and that ultimately mm. led to me getting a full-time job in football. 
down the line. So, you know, the, the, the more you sort of do, I think the more you learn, the, you know, the more the more it gives you opportunity to earn. <laughs> and just, just on that, you know, you talk there about the different experiences and different, well, mainly volunteer experiences and I guess the sacrifice you had to make in terms of giving up your time and making those, I guess, negotiations with Warsaw as an example to, you know, if they can't pay you, maybe can support you through your qualifications. How do you feel all those experiences in total really helped you in your development, especially in the, in the initial stages? And then, you know, eventually it led you to a role in the Birmingham City Academy, didn't it? Yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, I was fortunate because the guy that I was working with that I almost invested a lot of time in supporting his, um, his business, his coaching business um, within the community, he, he obviously was working at Birmingham at the time, then an opportunity came up at Birmingham and again my name was put forward. So it's it's kind of um you know, in terms of networking and developing relationships, you know, certainly to get on in the game. I am not saying that you it's who you know, but the more relationships that you build, you know, you never know where those relationships can lead to. So, you know, it's it's about I think it's also it's about yourself putting yourself out there and if you're showing that you're hard working, you know, you, you're dedicated to what you're doing and stuff like that, you know, you start to get um, opportunities arise really from, from who you are as a person and character, I imagine. Definitely. Definitely. And I just want to harken back um, to your experience of um, being a PE teacher. Like what, what sort of, um, valuable things did you take from that like you know working across like different sports and also what sort of like um transferable skills have you acquired now um that you use on a day-to-day in football um i learned a lot really um in, in the younger days you know it was it was kind of a case of learning how to manage big groups um you know i remember when we used to do the community stuff you know, you'd you'd land you'd land at sort of like an after school club. Sometimes you'd have about thirty odd kids running riot. You know, you might have a small area that you've got mm. to cope with. You know, very limited resources and things like that. And you've got to put on a session. You know, make it a fun hour and a half for them. You know, with with the P with the PE teaching, it gave me massive opportunities. Certainly, when I did the qualification, to to learn how to plan, do, and review. That was that was massive. Uh, reflect things like that. The um, the actual teaching mm. job in itself, again, you know, you, you used to end up having like 30 odd kids, you know, in, in your lesson. And, you know, you've got to put on a football session, you know, with 30 odd kids on your own, you know, various different age groups between 12 and sort of 16. Mm. Um, I was fortunate at the school that I worked at because, because they saw like the, that I had a specialism in football and you had other specialists like basketball specialists and, and, and rugby specialists and things. I was very much just left to do the football with virtually most of the age groups from uh you know from September all the way through to to the uh the, the summer season really until we start going on to cricket yeah. and, and some of the other sports tennis and things so it was almost it was brilliant really because every day really for me a PE lesson was just a football lesson so I was quite fortunate really to to develop more coaching and, and teaching skills and managing big numbers managing different types of personalities and different challenges that the kids brought really because certainly the school I was working at at the time was in mm. North Birmingham so it was quite a challenging area so okay. I think it was brilliant really I loved it 
And just just on that though, Mike, you know, I just as you as, as I'm I'm just picturing you doing a role similar to that, and even myself, I think. How much did you think it actually helps you then? Because obviously, you know, we, in academies now, we've got you know different blocks of work, and we've got the macro, the macro, and the meso cycles that they talk about, and all the individual development stuff. How much of that do you think really helps in the fact that you maybe had to do blocks of work or have a scheme of work set out for each, I guess, age group, and I guess a set of players with all the participants within it in the PE setting? Do you think that really helped you? And do you think there's anything key that you've kind of picked up doing that role that you later applied in your current work? Yeah, I mean, curriculums, you know, certainly when I worked at West Brom, you know, we had a curriculum, we yeah. had a real structured curriculum. It was brilliant. It was a fantastic programme. You know, it was like, um, it was almost run like a school, really, a school of football. You know, there was, there was yeah. a curriculum. We, we all knew what we were doing, what topic we were doing across the week. There was a lot of variety. There was like position-specific curriculum programmes. There was you know, technical programmes, tactical programmes. You know, there, there was all these different things that were all set out in a scheme of work. You know, the whole season would be planned out. You know, everything would go on the PMA, you know, in advance. And, you know, it was it was, it was just like at school, really, where you knew what you were doing every day, every, every yeah. sort of week, really. Um, <laughs> so that, that helps a lot. The, um, the obviously, the managing of, of, of individuals helped a lot. You know, certainly some of the skills that I learned as a PE teacher, you know, yeah. certainly, certainly within the, um, the West Brom Academy, where we had a lot of, you know, different types of, players from all over the Midlands and things, you know, that they're all, they're all having different challenges, you know, in, in their own sort of home life or, or, or the area that they live in. You know, they, they come in and you, you just sort of almost have have a have an ability and a skill to sort of relate to them and, and understand how to get the best out of them. So, you know, a lot of that work really from doing the community and doing the school stuff and even the district it was so valuable in understanding how to how to work with kids, certainly at twelve to sixteen age groups. Yeah, it was it was massive, really. And just on that, then you know, what would you say some of the biggest challenges you faced in that sort of role? You know, did you did you walk away from that thinking, right? I've got some real key practical steps I can now apply should this occur again. As in what role was that? Um, so your initial your initial P, your your school teaching role because you know you talk there about how you really taking away some of the stuff about the setting up curriculums putting schemes of work in place and obviously um, having all that stuff pre-planned and you know you, you touched on earlier about the planning aspect of things and you know, obviously that's a key part of everything you did having reflected back on your time as a PE teacher would you say that there are any major challenges that you faced within that particular role that later then helped you with your roles now um I've got to be honest, the, the, the last two years of PE teaching, I, I don't know how I did it, to be honest with you, because I was doing like a master's degree, my A-licence award, I was doing I was doing so much, um, you know, work at Warsaw four four days a week, you know, across across the evenings and weekends. Um, on top of that, obviously trying to run, because I was running it like I was part, doing something to do with the psychology department, so I was running that as well as PE teaching. So it was, there was so much going on at the time, and obviously, I probably didn't have time to really reflect on on what was actually happening during that period. Other than for me, it was just to try and gain as much experience as I can in that period of time. Um, almost mm. having that mindset of, well, if a full time job in football comes up at some point, you know, I've got all these different multidisciplinary skills from psychology to sports science, you know, to football teaching, coaching, all sorts that would enable me to almost get an opportunity to go into full-time football somewhere. Um, 
So at the time, wasn't re- it wasn't really planned in terms of what I was sort of almost working on or doing. It was just trying to gain as much experience as I can. Um, yeah, there's different challenges that came up in, in, in various different um, aspects, you know, in PE teaching. You know, I managed different individuals. Um, you're having to manage your time to almost fit everything in that I had to do across the week. Um, I just always remember, I always used to look forward to the the sessions we used to do, the football session, I always used to look forward to that. But also, the end of the day, when, when I'd be travelling up to, to Warsaw, just, you know, you used to the highlight of the day, you just couldn't wait to get to Warsaw and, and put on a session with, with the age group. So, you know, it was, it was quite an interesting time, really. I don't, I don't know how I actually did it all in, in that two-year period. <laughs> uh, just on that, um, you... You just uh, kind of mentioned that you you were doing your masters there. Uh, correct me if I was wrong. Was it in coaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was in coaching. Yeah, and uh, just in regards to that, like uh, obviously there's this whole sort of uh, disparity and debate that constantly happens in coaching about you know the the benefits of academic in like you know coaches' development and uh, in comparison to experience and stuff like that. Um, like personally for me, I I done I done my masters also like in sports coaching at Loughborough, and like from what I I kind of gauge from it is that it yeah it do, it does help but like it's it's impossible for it to be beneficial to um, to you without like coaching alongside it or and stuff like that because there's there's a lot of um obviously good uh, theoretical frameworks and stuff like that but. If you don't, if you don't have the environment to apply it, then it's kind, it's kind of hard, for, hard to get such information like that and develop yourself. Like, what, what sort of um, experience did you have with that, and uh, what, what sort of benefits do you see of you know, um, going down the a bit of the academic route uh, and potential shortcomings of it? Um, I think any course, any course that you do. Is, is beneficial um, as long as you're not just chasing the piece of paper. So, mm. you know, I, I, certainly probably when I was younger, I was probably guilty of, right, if I get if I get my B licence, I get my A licence, I get this piece of paper, I get that piece of paper, it makes you an A licence coach or it makes you, you know, an, 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 get your master's degree, it makes you an, an academic. Um, mm. You know, certainly for me, it's, it's about the experience of, of actually doing the course. Um you know, the things I took took from doing the the master's degree, um, and again I did it part time at Loughborough d- during that period over two years. It was um, it was massive for me to sort of develop an opportunity to understand multidisciplinary sports coaching. So mm. you know we, we were fortunate to sort of learn from swimming, hockey, other different sports. Um, and really, probably the biggest thing that I took from that that sort of course was um, when when I sort of did my degree, um, my dissertation. So the um, mm. the opportunity I got with my dissertation, I specialised in stress and management in in football managers. So I got the opportunity to interview ten football managers from Premier League all the way down to sort of League Two, um, and find out what what things stress them out within their job. Um, you know, I found that really, really interesting. Just getting an opportunity to sit, you know, two and a half hours, and, and talk football and talk about their job. Um, again, all this sort of experience that I was, I was sort of gaining knowledge of. 
you know, would ultimately sort of help along the way when I went into full-time football myself. So I found that really, really interesting. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of things that I took from from different modules, you know, from sports coaching modules, analysis modules, different things that ultimately gave you knowledge um, that would help you within the role in, in future time. Mm. Um so you know, in terms of academic, I, I think I think any sort of academic course of sports degree coaching or, or masters coach or anything like that, I, I think they all they, they can all help you, um, you know, gain some sort of knowledge or insight that will that'll help you somewhere within whatever role you end up doing. Definitely, no, I agree. I agree with you. Like I just feel, if it, like for me, I. Like it's not like when you're reading these articles, you're 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 per se taking it like gospel, but it, it may there may be a particular segment of it that like kind of appeals to you and like kind of adds a new leaf to your tree, and it's like those one percent that you're always after to try and make yourself better. Um, you've obviously had uh, your experience of coaching across like <laughs> basically all the age groups. Um, albeit if it's in the community or on or in your PE lessons or in the academies like Wonderful, West Brom and and now Derby, like what are some of the key differences that you see uh coaching across all these different age groups? Um what are the key things that I see, the differences. Yeah. Um the, again there's different each each sort of age group really. Um has different challenges so you know foundation coaching I mean I was fortunate when I first started working at West Brom um, you know I was really really fortunate because there was at the time some outstanding staff there like Dan Ashworth Mark Harrison Mark Lafferson Jimmy Shan Aaron Danks you know, Mark Naylor and, and, and Ryan Main and some real key mm. staff that were fundamentally experts at, at sort of coaching kids from, from nines all the way up to sort of 18s, 23s. So it was almost like a university of football, really, that I was, that I was walking into. So, you know, mm. we, we were fortunate with within the programme where we'd have school release for the 9s to sort of 11s. We'd have um, programmes with the foundation and the youth where we worked across all the different age groups. So you could find yourself someday working with, like, the under-9s then the next day you'd be working with, say, the under-13s or under-14s or under-12s. So, you know, the, the way that, before the EPPP, the way the sort of club was set up, you, you worked across all those different age groups. So the beauty of that was you got to know all the kids. And as you started to mm. work with them, you know, obviously the EPPP made it a little bit more specialised in terms of, um, you know, 9s to 11s, 12s, 16s, and so on. Um, you almost sort of find an area that you, you specialise in anyway. Um so, you know, I, I sort of found myself as, you know, specialising within the 12 to 16s sort of um, age groups. Um, you know, certainly 9s to 11s, very technical-based, you know, stuff that the kids need to be doing. It's got to be fun. You know, they've got to, they've got to be um, you know, learning, learning the sort of tools that are going to help them technically. Um, and then certainly as they start going to sort of like 12s and, and sort of 13s, 14s age groups, you, know, you start you start building a little bit more on the tactical stuff, but you know ultimately they've they've got to be developing their technical work. You know the, the golden mm. groups really for them to really be sort of homing in on those technical skills. Um, 
you know, as they move towards sort of 15, 16, you know, you, you start to throw a little bit more element in into tactical, tactical and psychological stuff. Um, but you know, it, it's each age group that you work with, you know, they 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 all bring their own different sort of challenges. And again, it's it's understanding the sort of um, understanding the age groups sort of dynamics as well. So like you know, twelve yeah. year olds they're in they're in that situation where they're just starting school. So there's a lot going on. There's um you know they'll they'll be making that transition to eleven aside, you know from from foundation. So there's there's a lot there's always a lot going on in under twelve year that you have to be mindful of. You know they're they're growing. Mm. They're having all sorts of different you know issues in terms of they're they're, they're finding out about themselves. They start really understanding where they are in in a pecking order. You know in terms of um, ability and stuff. So they have a bit more self awareness. You know, thirteen year olds as they go into that sort of age, they tend to sort of I've found from experience, they they're just sponges for knowledge. You know, and they they want to they want to really really sort of learn more about about the game as much as they can. You know, as you go to under fourteens, you know, they go for that sort of transition period of where, you know, the adolescence period of where when I say I've, I've experienced, you know, kids that they're on they're, they're on that sort of verge of you know playing fifteens football, but they're almost mm. going through. A transitional period at school as well, in terms of how they're uh, adapting to, you know, to that adolescence, um, mm. and to manage them differently. And then, you know, 15s and 16s, well, you know, they're, they're, they're working towards that scholarship year. So, you know, there's a bit more seriousness on it, I suppose, in terms of where they want to go in their direction. You know, they want to try and get a scholarship, and you know, so. But on top of that, they're having to manage the, like, the GCSEs and all the other stuff. So, you know, you have to just be mindful as a coach that. Each age group has, yeah, will have their challenges, and it's being aware of what those challenges could be really um, along their journey, and helping the kids with it. And just on that, Mike, you know, you talked about you know, essentially look the what I take from that, you know, it's really about tailoring it for the individuals within the group and really being aware of what those individuals may be. Uh, those individual differences, maybe rather, I mean. You spent quite a lot of time. You talk about uh, West Ham being almost a, a university of coaching to an extent. What would you say was maybe the biggest learning thing, learning, I guess, outcomes or learning points that you kind of took away from your time there in those 12 years, being surrounded by all these, you know, other coaches who were probably as ambitious and passionate about coaching the way you, coaching were. The way you were and at a high level? Um. Took loads really. Like I say, I, I was fortunate. I was fortunate to have, um, you know, an outstanding academy manager that almost saw coaches' development as well as the players' development. So as well as the players going on a journey, the coaches, you know, you only got to look at the, the staff that I've mentioned there. All of them have gone on to to big things. You know, you you got Jimmy that, that's now managing at Solly and Moors that you know ended up managing our first team. You know, he started off as a as an under you know, sort of 11s coach, you know, and he, he works his way to doing the 12 16s lead role to 18s role to 23s role and then ends up being first team manager. And now he's off on a journey to, to become a manager, you know, and he, and he will be successful in what he wants to achieve. You know, again, he's learned so many skills across his, his time at West Brom that we would almost learn off as well. So as whilst all the other staff were learning, you'd be learning off them. You know, people like Aaron Danks, you know, Aaron, Aaron would... Um, Mm. was brilliant in terms of 
putting together programs and and, and understanding individuals and you know some of the stuff that you learn off him you know that ultimately he then went on to work at the FA which you know he's done some unbelievable work at the FA you know in terms of um, putting together like you know specialist programs and things um, for their 15s program upwards so it, it's kind of um, all the different staff are on their own sort of journeys but you learn yeah. off all those staff while they're on their journey and I, and I imagine you know the people that I've worked with that you know taking things that have helped them you know or you know so it was almost like a little bit of a, a, a chain really you'd learn off each other and you'd pass that knowledge on to other people that come in and work with you you know if you, if you had an assistant would come and work with me you know I'd always have a new uh, kind of a new person work with me most most virtually every year you know you'd almost pass that knowledge and experience on to them and then they'd pass that on to the next person they work with so you know there's always um there was always a lot of learning and a lot of sort of challenging each other, but also um, trying to help each other develop, you know, and, and certainly from, yeah. from, from the academy manager, you know, he's, he, he gave so many of us an opportunity to, to grow within our roles. You know, when I first started at West, West Brom, you know, I was like head of, head of education. I was doing, I was doing like the sports science and I was doing a bit of coaching, you know, and then, from that, then it then went head of head of education to coaching, and then obviously I, you know, Mark saw something in us to go. Well, you'd make a good twelve to sixteens lead, you know. Once once Thanks in and um, and Jimmy moved up to the PDP, so you know that that then gave me seven years of valuable experience of really mastering like twelve to sixteens role and, and managing yeah. that that program, and then ultimately I then I was then given the opportunity to be an under 18s coach, which. Yeah, you know, it's it's fantastic experiences, really. You know, as much as it was challenging, there there were some fantastic experiences that that I learned a lot from. Definitely. You know, later on, you obviously progressed into your head of coaching role, um, obviously at Derby County. But you spending twelve years, you know, you had you had a bit of a, a brief stint working with the sixteens to eighteens, and you know, you you went you reached the semi final left at youth club, didn't you? Yeah, I mean that that. That was an interesting year, the 18s, because it was almost it was all set out. The um, we had a fantastic under 18 age group when they were all there was a squad. They were unbelievable. You know, there, there were so many of them that were playing 23s football week in week out with Jamie Smith. You know, and and, and mm. the experiences they were getting at 23s football and the football they were playing, you know, under Jamie was was excellent. So I was I was fortunate. You know, we were fortunate in terms of when they came back down to. To the FA Youth Cup squad, you know, it was almost like because of the experience they've been having at 23s. When it when it came back down into the 18s, it, it, it made made our job a lot easier. <laughs> I mean, because of the experience they've yeah. been having in terms of the level they've been playing that week in week out. Um, and obviously the draw that we were sort of you know we were tipped with we 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 had um you know QPR at the time we were flying in their in their um their gangs program. Um, so that they were they were quite a challenge. Um, yeah, we had we had Everton and Arsenal to overcome, who at the time were, were flying, you know, in in their games programs and very very strong teams. And then um, as I say, you know, we ended up with Man City in the semi final, which was always going to be a challenge. And but the the lads that we had thrived on those sort of challenges, thrived on those sort of games, and the experience that they'd had all the way through their their schoolboy. 
um, program. You know, they'd always they'd always, mm. they'd always play like Chelsea's and Arsenal's in finals and things. So they, they they're almost they'd had an upbringing of of success. So we all saw like the games program of the FA Youth Cup as like performance, but then the league programs and and the other games programs at eighteen was almost like development. Um, like first year as an opportunity to play and 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 to get opportunities rather than it being a case of them not playing for a few months because you know sometimes it can be deemed they're not ready but ultimately you've got to throw them in yeah. you know we used to throw in we throw in Louis Barry you know he was sixteen he was playing week in week out with the eighteens and again he got valuable experience which then obviously led on to him getting a move to Barcelona which was you know for for a sixteen year old to get a move from England to a club like that is is unbelievable. You know, so it's um, we we was fortunate in terms of the squad that we had. Um, I think the the players and the squad probably would have expected to have done well in the FA Youth Cup. You know, and that's why they had such a good run. And it, it was a great experience. You know, it was it was a fantastic experience just even getting the opportunity to to, to sort of manage a team in front of you know in the stadium and stuff like that. You know, it's it's brilliant. Mm. It was really really good, valuable. Just, just on that, then you know, talk to us a little about that. You know, it'd be great. I think for a lot of the listeners, um, you know, I'm, I'm a lot of coaches I know are certainly aspiring to work in the first team game one day, or even the PDP um, or professional development phase. What was that like? You know, coaching in the stadium and and, and that experience. You know, just give you a bit of taste of what you want beyond that. Um, if I'm honest with you, you know, my first my first game, I hated it. I think we we played. Um, who was it? It was was it Lincoln? I think it was. I can't remember who we played. We, we played um, a cat cat free club, and um, and it was it was. I didn't I didn't really enjoy it to start off with. Um, you mm. know, I think the first half as well. We started really well, but there were some real moments in that game where we could have found ourselves coming in at halftime. You know, two one down, or you know, even 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 1-1, one, one, you know, and it was almost like there was a massive expectation because, you know, there was a massive expectation on that group um, to do well, you know, and, the, and you always have that sort of fear of um, what happens if we get, we get, you know, there's a giant killing there in front of everybody, you know, so mm. you have a little bit of that, you have a little bit of, um, you know, there's, the, there was a lot of nerves around it, you know, um, and the mad thing was we were always, we're, we started to learn, we were always okay second half, we was always a second half team at home for some reason, and I think we ended up playing you know majority of our FA Youth Cup games at home. Um, so we never ever started well, but we was always brilliant second half. So there was a lot of nerves to the players as well. I think there was a lot of expectation on the players and nerves on those. So um, didn't enjoy the first game, and it was a real surreal experience because it's something I've never experienced before. So then the second game we played QPR, I think I started. I was a little bit more relaxed. And I, and I enjoyed it more. And then when we played, um, when we went to Arsenal, there was no pressure on you anyway because it was almost like, well, playing one of the best, awesome. one of the best teams, teams yeah. in the country that were, you know, ultimately, they, I think they ended up um, missing out on the, the Premier League title that year to Derby, ironically. Um, but they, they were one of the best teams. They, they were one of the favourites to win that FA Youth Cup. So there was no pressure on you when we went down there. I think there was, I was even more relaxed by the time we got down to the Arsenal, when we played Arsenal. Um, apart from probably the last 20 minutes where it was literally the Alamo and it was back to the wall and couldn't wait for the whistle to blow, basically. It was just, honestly, they threw everything at us. How, how, we, how we got away with uh, not conceding the last 20 minutes is, is a miracle, really. Um, 
the beer of football. Then, yeah, <laughs> then the Everton game, the court final. Well, that that was one of the best games I've ever I've ever experienced in my life. That was just un, unreal. It had everything. It had like you know we were two 0 down. We then came back. You know, it had everything. You know, there was stuff that we'd done with individuals that week that came off. You know, it was it was just brilliant. After the game, it was honestly it was one of the best feelings ever. You know, the fact we'd reached the semi final as well. So, you know, I started enjoying it a little bit more then. Um, you know, and mm. it, again, it's experiences, isn't it? So, you know, I'd imagine for, for first team managers that that suddenly thrown into it. You know, it was a little bit like with Jimmy when Jimmy was put put on that um, pedestal of managing the first team for for ten games. You know, mm. I'd imagine the more he the more he did it. The more he got a buzz for it, and the more he enjoyed it. So, mm. which is why he wants to, you know, he's, he's, he's now managing, you know, within the uh, with with Moore to try and obviously be, become a become a football league manager. Um, so he's having mm. a little bit of a taste for it, you know. So you, you, I did start to enjoy it a little bit as uh, as as you start to get more exposure to it. But great experiences, fantastic experiences. And yeah, just uh, on that, um, you've obviously spent a, lo- a long time at West Brom, uh, 12 years, if I'm correct. Um, and from what I can gauge from a lot of people that have been, I mean, involved in West Brom, uh, like they, they tend to spend such a long time there. So like, what, is, what exactly is the secret? What kept you coming back Um like season after season, like that. Was it the, apart from the obvious like uh, career progressions that you've taken, that they they just awarded you for your efforts and um, by, by merit? Like, what kept you there so long? I think it was it was the opportunities that certainly the academy manager gave us. You know, it's. I think I think a lot of people generally would move on, at different clubs based on whether they get an opportunity to. To progress, and I think what Mark Harrison was really good at doing was, was he'd almost see, and he'd, he'd get, he'd get, you know, he had this emotional intelligence of understanding when, right, he's ready for the next challenge here, or he needs that next challenge, or he needs that next role. So, you know, mm. I, I had a lot of roles across the um, the twelve years I was there, and I think there was always, you know, there was always that sort of inkling when when a member of staff needed that next challenge, he was always giving it. Um, you know, but also I think a lot of it as well was just the enjoyment of what we what we do. You know, the the fact I did the twelve sixteens role for so long was because I really you know I enjoyed doing it. Um, the players mm. you saw, I, I mean, I actually think it's one of the best roles that you can have the twelve sixteens role because you, you see the start of the journey and you see you see them almost towards the end of the journey. You know, certainly sixteen year olds mm. going to the eighteens and. Yeah, the playing week in, week out, and the, and then you know we had so many players as well at sixteen and seventeen that would go and make first team debuts. You know, it's almost like utopia. You get to see, you get you get the best of everything, really. Um, and also, I think with with that particular role as well, you can be really influential on um on their on their development and their journey. You know. And, it's mm. at a stage where you have to have those relationships with parents as well, which is, which is key. You know, as, as I always say, the parents are like the first coach. So you, you, you have to sort of almost, you know, build that relationship with the parent and the player. Um, you know, we have some really, really good relationships with parents and players, you know, within those age groups that ultimately helped some of those players go on and have a fantastic, you know, journey and opportunity. 
Um, so yeah, it was, I think a lot of it was just opportunity that you always you're always challenged to to get better. Mm. But also, yours you're put on courses as well to make yourself better. So you know, I was given mm. the opportunity to do like, the ECAST course. Um, you know, which was which was similar to like a masters, like the, the setup that we did with the masters. You know, multidisciplinary. Yeah, that that was fantastic experience. Learning from different. Um, just uh, so, just I just wanted to interject because I just uh, on that the e on the ECAS course. Uh, can you just let our listener know a bit more about like what was involved in it? Because um, it is quite like from a lot of people that I know that have taken it, it, it tends to be quite like a life changing. Uh, experience as well in, the, in this respect yeah it's um, basically the elite coaches apprenticeship sort of course that the Premier League run um, and they've been running it now since I think 2012 or 13 um, we were fortunate enough basically the, the club would, would be given an opportunity to send somebody on it um, and, and I think my cohort was a lot of the lead sort of 12 16s um, coaches that, that were certainly on my I think I was one of the second cohorts to do it so we, we it was brilliant for me because we you know we had all the 12 to 16 coaches all together and, you know in terms of collaborating and learning from each other it was it was brilliant and plus you'd see them on a Saturday you know, across across the season which was good so built a lot of relationships there really through that um, but also it was, it was a course where you learned from specialist people across across different jobs so like you know we had we had a military experience where we learned from you know the um the sas and the military people you know we we had a, i think we had two days down in um Hereford, you know in terms of out in the fucking beacons mm. so you'd have experiences like that which which take that comfort zone and, and, and test your leadership skills and stuff um you know we went to swimming we went to um British cycling um, we'd go down to business school and stuff and, and learn from experts there. I think I remember we went, went to Ted Baker, you know, and learned from him. And so, so it was all, it was basically learning. Did you pick up anything? From the... <laughs> so again, sorry. Did you pick up, did you pick up any, uh, clothes or anything there with took the opportunity? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was very good at giving out hugs. Uh, the guy at the time, he's like, you didn't want a hug. So, um, but yeah, it, it was, um, it was it was a really really challenging two years because it's full on every month you're sort of somewhere for three days away from home um, mm. and you're trying to fit that around your job. But when you actually reflect on it, the two years, you know, when you when you sort of come out of it, you, you know, again, you know, the piece of paper, it's it's not really want to say worth the paper it's written on. The actual experiences you had on that course, a bit like the advanced youth award, you know, it was. Mm. It was a fantastic sort of twelve months, really, of learning, learning from different people. You know, you go there for four days, and you'd almost, you know, it was brilliant because you, you you're in like-minded people that you, you almost build up relationships with that you share and learn. So it was, it was a good opportunity for that, really. Which um, I know, certainly, a lot of staff and coaches that have been on those courses have gone on some really, really big jobs and big things. Um, so mm. I think there's a lot of them actually that did my that were on my course that ended up going on to being heads of coaching or um you know, twenty threes or even first team you know coaches from, from mm. that from that particular group. Um, so it, it was good. It was good in terms of learning multidisciplinary. Um, yeah. 
And just just on that then, Mike, you know, you talk there about a lot of, I guess, your cohort moving on to more senior roles or progressing up the ladder in that respect. Now, you've you've also done that yourself. Now, you know, you know, spent, spending 12 years at West Brom and now you've, you know, you're currently sitting as the academy um, head of coaching for Derby County. How did that come about? Again, I mean, ironically, the, um, the relationships that I built on that course, you know, I, I remember we went, we went across on a study visit to... Um, to Atletico Bilbao, you know, and and I was fortunate, obviously, because I, I had Justin Walker, who was on my cohort, you know, who was the he was the 18s coach at Derby, so at the time he was a 12-16s lead, so I, I, I learned, built a relationship with him and learned a lot from him, um, you know, and unfortunately, I, I met um, the academy director, Darren Russell, on, on that on that trip. You know, I'd never met him before, you know, and again, you just get on with people, don't you? You just start to build relationships with people and, you know, certainly over a five-year period, you know, those relationships, they just got stronger every time you'd, you'd have a game or you'd see people, you know, from from uh, different different clubs and stuff. So, you know, again, I think a lot of it is, when I say networking and, and getting to know people, people get to know you in terms of your character and what you can bring. And, I, and ironically, there was, there was the job was advertised there. Um, and my next sort of progression really that I wanted to have a go at was the head of coaching role you know a lot of the skills that I'd mm. sort of learned all the experience that I'd learned over certainly 12 years at West, West Brom was almost team gearing towards having having an opportunity of experiencing the head of coaching role um, you know, I probably said 12 years ago I, I would have wanted to have been an academy manager but that, that role's changed so much now you know the, the head of coaching role is probably like the similar to the old academy manager role where you, know, if you, you get the opportunity to still work on the grass with players and coaches, whereas the academy manager's role now has almost changed a little. It's a little bit more. It's very operational, yeah, isn't it? It's a lot different to what it used to be. Whereas the old, the old, the old days, you know, a lot of people would want to be a academy manager because you get to you know take the eighteens or the twenty threes or you know it's a very mm. dual role in terms of what you wanted to do. So, um, you know, an opportunity came up at Derby. I, I applied for it, went for it, and you know I was fortunate to. Um, to get given the opportunity to to do the role there, you know. So fantastic, and just just a bit, just a bit more on that. You know, for the listeners that maybe aren't too aware, would you mind just going into a bit of detail around what exactly a head of coaching does in an academy? Um, it's different at different clubs, really. Um, I mean, my role really is to assist, you know, the academy director with with the nine to twenty threes program. Um, you know, really, really, the job can be can be different at different clubs in terms of what they need uh, a lot of my role this this year has been just um working with the the lead phase coaches um the likes of adam thorley justin walker pat lines and um richard astor across the phases in terms of just trying to align align stuff um from from certain first team down to under nines you know ensuring that the curriculums are, are age specific and and making sure that Staff are getting supported in within those those programs. Um, you know, across my week, I'll do things where I'm, I'm working with coaches on, on the grass three three evenings a week, where I'll, I'll get out and work with them and support them and try and make them better and, and try and help them um, as, as any way that they want help. Um, also, still working with players because you know, part of it is trying to still develop players. You know, and making sure that the um, the programs are fit for purpose that way. Um, Again, setting up CPDs, you have to arrange CPDs across. You know, we 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 had one almost virtually every month. Um, mm. 
just on that, what, what kind of, uh, I guess, themes or topics would you cover on those CPDs? Yeah, anything really, um, you know, from technical, tactical, psychological. Um, you know, we, we've, had a, we've had different themes really across the year where we had big, big focus on relationships with players. You know, that, that was one of the, the focuses that I wanted to work on um, to try and help coaches, you know, have an understanding of the importance of relationships and how you build relationships with um, with players and, and, and certainly with that as well, getting specialist people in to come in and, and sort of share some of their experiences and how you can do it. So, we, you know, we're getting guest speakers in to do that. Leadership ones that we worked on, you know, I was fortunate to have um, some really good experts from all different industries coming in and sort of share some of their experiences. Um, you know, experiences even even such, you know, we, we looked at um, some of the issues that football have had recently in terms of, you know, bullying in sport. You know, getting people in to share some of their experiences from different sports and, uh, you know, how, how you can sort of reduce those sort of um, things from sort of developing. Do you know what I mean? Right. Just, just out of curiosity, you know, what what kind of things came up from that conversation? As in the, as in the bullying one in no, particular. A, a lot of it really was just around like how important it is to have relationships with players and you know, your athletes. You know, I mean, we were fortunate. We had um, we had a guy from British Swimming come in and share these experiences again. Someone who who, who mentored me on the ECAST. Um, you know, and he was he was just sort of experiencing. The, the challenges that he faced because he, he he went through it, British swimming. So you know, a lot of it really was almost just like it was a CPD of awareness, you know, because there has been quite a lot of stuff that's gone on out there, certainly in the last sort of 12 months at different clubs. So to protect coaches, you have to just almost, you know, give them some sort of an awareness of, of various different things that are happening across the uh, the different sports and certainly across football really. So it was more more of sort of an awareness CPD around those areas, um, which then links into again the importance of relationships with players and, and how you sort of you know manage players within your age groups. Just uh, you know, just to go a bit deeper into that then, you know, you talk about you talk about your role there in the different CPDs and stuff that you do. Could you just maybe touch on a little bit what you think is required from, I guess, from the coach's perspective as, you know, obviously you're the head of coach and you're almost uh, supporting them with their development. And I think there's a lot of coaches out there that can be very passive and not proactive. Um, you might just touching on, on, you know, talking to the idea that, you know, how important it is to be proactive in terms of your own development as a coach. Um because I feel like there is a lot of coaches out there waiting for opportunities, maybe not looking at, not, not going out there and looking for opportunities to develop, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've always said that, you know, ultimately, you, the more you invest in yourself as a coach, you know, like, you know, whether that's courses, whether that's getting yourself out there to, to learn from others, you know, that it's all going to be stuff that's going to make you better. Um, you know, so a lot of CPDs really, they're, they were, they were tailored. There was different CPDs that we did that were tailored to different age groups, you know, from a technical, tactical point of view. Because um, again, what I found is is different different coaches because of the experiences that they've had, you know, they, they their CPD might be completely different, so that they might need different mm. they might need a different stimulus. So we, mm. um, certainly, like the twenty threes and eighteen staff that pro licensed coaches that you know have had first team experience. Some of some of their CPDs look different to say the the foundation phase or the youth phase, 
So even little things like that where you know, I'd get study visits for them or, or days out to go and, uh, go and learn from other managers and other coaches. You know, I've done quite a lot of that this, this season with them. Um, you know, almost getting them out of the bubble, which is something they hadn't always had the opportunity to do. You know, so it was organising that, arranging that for them so that they're getting a, another another sort of um, perspective of what it's like at other clubs. Um, so we were fortunate to do some of those. The um, the coaches really, for me, you know, you've got to invest as much as you can in yourself. You know, even during lockdown, you know, there's there's been opportunities to, to sort of invest in, in yourself through podcasts, through webinars, you know, so much information out there that you can learn from um, you know certainly during the lockdown period there's been a lot of webinars that I've sent out to staff you know, to try and help them you know sort of upskill themselves in various different ways really um, but ultimately it's down to them whether they whether they choose to sort of do it do you know what I mean it's, but it's all about investing time in yourself really to, to get better really That makes sense. And um, in regards to like particular sort of uh, key behaviours uh, within coaches, is there is there anything that you've seen in your sort of past experiences? Like you've you mentioned the na- the names that you've um, worked with, the likes of Darren Banks, the J- J- Jimmy Fans, etc. I'm not disrespecting anyone by not mentioning their name, <laughs> um, but like, what sort of key behaviours have you seen in them? Um, that has like made them to push on uh, to these like higher heights that they've reached. The biggest thing that I've seen from all of all the all the staff that you know, like I say, I've been fortunate to work with and, and learn from, you know, the, the fundamentals really are that they're, they're structured, they're organised, they're uh, the planning and they're doing the review in a, a second to none. Yeah, you know, there is a process to it. You've got mm. to enjoy planning. You've got to enjoy doing it. You've got to enjoy reflecting on it and learning from it. Yeah, you know, they've all been massive on that. They've all been very, very structured and organised in their planning. You know, so that that means getting out there an hour before the session, setting up so it's ready. You know, so that when the players walk out, they're going, "We've got a good mm. session on today." I see. It. You know, it's 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 all part of the process, really, of um of being a coach. They, you know, they're they're very very um detailed in their approach. You know, and this is from even the likes of Mark Naylor, goalkeeping coaches. You know that, that I've seen. You know, they're, they're so detailed in 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 what they do. But the biggest thing that I've learned from all of them is, and took from all of them, is the passion they have for it. So, you know, I remember I think it was uh, Banksy always used to say, "You got to make that two-hour session the most important part of your day." You know, for those players. So, mm. you know, he always used to drill that into us. So, whenever you know you had a session at six o'clock, and you know you've been working all day on the school release program, or you've been you know, stuck in the office doing loads of paperwork, or whatever it might be, you know, ultimately, then kids turn up at six o'clock for that two-hour session. Yeah, you know, they've had a full day at school. You got to make sure that that two-hour session is the best two hours of your life. You know, and, and give it and give it give it give it a more basically. And he was massive on that. And Certainly, all these these um, these coaches that you know I've been fortunate to sort of see and work with, they um, they had abundance of that, the passion for for the session. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be buzzing, it'd be vibrant. You know, the players would be working, enjoying mm-hmm. it. You know, they'd be coming off buzzing. Um, you know, and, and to do that, as I say, four sessions a week, and then on a, on a match day, you know, make sure that you're structured and organised, and you 
in your team meeting, in your planning, in your, your warm-up, in, in the information that you give at half-time, the information you give at the end of the game, when you're debriefing. You know, just it was just the experts at it. You know, they've, they've really worked at their craft. And they're, they're, like I say, it was stuff that, for me, yeah, that, that that's the key thing. But the biggest thing as well is they, they believe in themselves. Massive belief in what they're doing. You know, and their values and standards are really high. Mm. So, no, that's, that's interesting. That. It's, in, it's interesting because um, uh, it's, it's kind of a bit of a practice what you preach sort of thing because like, we, as much as we understand that, you know, players have their own stresses as well. And, uh, like with school and like developing their personalities as well at, at particular ages, and like we expect them to kind of like put that aside to commit to the training session. But we too also coaches have to do that, especially um, those that may be working in the academy like our part in the part time basis that may not be fully immersed in the environment as a full time staffer to like kind of put aside the, those daily stresses there. And you know, just fully immerse yourself in in that moment and make like put give it your all, regardless of what's going on. Um, I just want to move on. So, like in regards to your role now and the previous roles that you've had, like what what have they taught you about like how to lead others, or be it um, the multidisciplinary stuff or your players? Yeah, I mean, how I probably led eight years ago. That's why I lead now. You know, it's, um, and probably mm. through some of the courses that I've been on, you know, it's probably made me improve how how I manage individuals. Um, you know, you've got to understand each individual is different, so you got to understand the individual and the person first. What what how to get the best out of them? So that that's really really important. Um, yeah, you need to understand mm. probably when when to leave certain individuals alone, or or, or or whether you just trust them to get on with what they're doing because they're doing a good job and. You know, some people want more guidance. Some people want more support. You know, certainly from a multidisciplinary point of view, you have to try and involve everybody. You have to bring everybody together. You know, certainly in Matonic West Brom, we always used to have a meeting on a Monday where we'd all sit together as a multidisciplinary team. We'd plan out the week and we'd go, right, what, what, you know, we'd look at players. What did certain players need this week? You know, and, and we'd, we'd almost have a plan. And, yeah, sometimes that that sort of, you know, you'd have to adapt across the week because for whatever reason... But you almost had a, a mm. involved everybody, you know, even to the point where, you know, I remember sitting down before the Arsenal game in the end of 18s, um, uh, fifth round game, you know, the night before. We, we, you know, we had a multidisciplinary meeting on whether we were going to play a certain play, player over another player, you know, and, and ultimately it wasn't just, well, you're the head coach, you make the final decision. It was a unanimous decision on actually, you know, we're going to go with this. Um, and then it was then down to, okay, well, I'll manage the situation then. You know, tell the player that he's, mm. he's not involved. So you've got, to, you've, you've got to get an input from as much expert people as you can within the room. Um, and that's really, really important that everybody feels valued in involved in that process. Um, you know, part of having a multidisciplinary team is to make sure that you have the knowledge of everybody around it. You know, so it's really important. Oh, that's it. That's interesting. Is it? That's interesting. Yeah. Like, um, I guess like every time it always feels like, uh, traditionally the coach should be, uh, making the decision and stuff like this. But like, unless you really tap into the, 
the resources and assets that you've got in pe- the people and the experts around you, then it, it kind of makes the decision a bit less weighted um, because, like, you've, you've kind of, you're making more of an informed decision with, with like, your colleagues around you backing you. Um, in regards to your experiences you and the people that you've been around, as you've already, you've already mentioned a couple um, of the big names that you've worked with uh, at West Brom. Um, what or who has had like a major influence in you, possibly in the form of a mentor? And what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from them? Again, I've, I've had various different mentors across across the years, really, like at different clubs. You know, at Birmingham, mm. we had like Stuart Hall and Brian Eastick, who were you know, real key influential figures in the game at the time. So you take things from them. Um, you know, Warsaw had Mick Horsall, who was who was unbelievable for you know, during that period of time in terms of mentoring me through my A licence and things and giving me the tools to coach um, and understand the game tactically. Mm. Then, you you know, at West Brom, we had, like, again, different people. You know, you have Mark Harrison, who, you know, as a mentor, he's, he's probably been one of my biggest mentors at, at, uh, at West Brom in, in terms of leadership, coaching, managing individuals, managing players, uh, managing parents. You know, so you take so much from from um, from that from that perspective, you know, managing a program, um, and then you, again, you've got other mentors within the within the system, such as you know, you, you've got like say Jimmy Shan, I mean, all these different peer mentors that you'd learn off. Um, you know, the the ECAS, we had, um, you know, we were given two mentors on that, you know, from different industries that, that were supportive that you sit down with every month and, and discuss. On the EHOP now, I've got um, Nigel Redmond and a guy called Colin Wilson. You know, they, these are all experienced people okay. that from different different backgrounds and different sports. But, you know, we sit down every Thursday and we, we discuss for an hour and a half um, my personal development, you know, and, and, and where we're going with it. And, and they check and challenge you, um, which is really interesting. You know what I mean? Because they, they get you thinking in a different way. Just on that, though, Mike, you know, just really interested to get your thoughts on this. You know, people think mentoring is always about going to maybe an experienced individual within a particular field. But I just want you to know, I just wonder if you could speak to how important it is to maybe go and get a mentor who can specifically help you in the area that you feel you need to develop in. So as an example, you know, I've, you know, growing up, you know, being a coach, I've, my timekeeping initially wasn't always great. But, you know, I, I, I learned that, you know, there's no point in me going to someone who's also got poor timekeeper to find out how to be a better timekeeper, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, I just wanted to speak to how important it is to maybe identify specific people with specific skill sets in that, that can help you with those areas that you do need developing rather than just going to anyone for that. And how well that served you in your in your journey. Well, uh, when, I did the, when I did the ECAS at the time, the, I had a professional skills mentor who um, Mike Griffiths, his name was. He was brilliant because he used to sort. He was almost like the mentor that sort my head out when I was having challenging times, you know, across the program in, in, in various different ways. He'd be someone that I'd go to and speak to about right. How do I manage this? How do I manage that situation? Or how do I manage that individual or those group of parents? Whatever it might be, and he and he'd be brilliant for a standing board for that. But also he'd be honest with you, so he'd give you some honest home truths. Also, when he, he'd come in and sort of see me work in my environment, he would also be honest with you. 
give you some honest truths and see it almost from a different perspective. Then there was another guy, and he was um, he works as British Swimming Director. So, from a multidisciplinary point of view of managing individuals in swimming, you know, I went and tapped into him about how you create programs for individuals within football. So I took a lot from that and, and, and got a lot of support around that. Um, but also from like a multidisciplinary point of view, he was brilliant in that aspects of how to manage a team because that's what they ultimately have to do on a day-to-day basis. Um, obviously, the ones that I've got at the moment on, on the um, the park, their, their sort of mentoring is more geared around probably myself as an individual and how I can how they can get the best out of me to get the best out of the guys that I'm mentoring. So obviously part of the hockey you have to do a mentoring course. Um mm. you know, because again mentoring, you know, it's not always the case of people will come to you and, and, and want to pick your brains or share your knowledge. You know what I mean? That the, the some people aren't always that forthcoming. You know, you have to sometimes draw it out of them or you have to go out your way to almost try and have Certain conversations to get to get them them sort of thinking and and, and get them uh, inspired into into whatever it is that they want to be sort of working on. With with the guys that we're working with at the moment, you know, we're sitting down and looking certainly for the next twelve months what my my development action plan will look like because I've always had a development action plan as a coach, you know, and I had a development action plan this year in terms of what I wanted to achieve as a head of coaching. But ultimately, part of that has mm. been more process driven rather than actually being for, for myself in terms of how, how are you going to get the, the skills that I need to mentor and develop coaches. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff at the moment that, you know, exercises, discussions that, that we'll have on a Thursday around that. Um, and of course, because they're, they're experienced mentors that they do, they do this on a day-to-day basis with all different people in business and sport. Yeah. They've, they've got some real good, if you want to call it golden nuggets in terms of what they can help you with. Sort of what would you say one of the biggest golden nuggets you've taken away from those guys there is? Um, I said the biggest thing probably is, is how to develop empathy. Um, how you develop almost empathy, but at the same time, how you develop relationships and how you can almost try and get people to sort of better themselves. You know, um, how you can mm. almost motivate people to, to, to want to get better. Um, I mean, certainly for me at the moment, I'm a, I'm on a big one on on sort of how how to mentor and how to how to build relationships with with, with individuals to try and get them. To yeah, well, it's interesting. I'm actually um, I'm start, currently studying my masters, and I, my my dissertation is actually going to be on, I guess, looking at how what effective mentoring looks like specifically within coach education. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it, I'm always interested to you know kind of hear about you know, these things that you're talking about there, about developing empathy, building those relationships. And um, can you talk to about talk to a bit about us or talk to us a bit about what that might look like in terms of your perspective of de- developing that empathy? Because I think it's something that I have, in my journey, sometimes found as a challenge. Example, I can be quite straightforward and blunt yeah. at times. Um, you know, I can appreciate also that that might not always be the best approach for everyone. Well, I mean, some, some, of, some of the things we, we, we've discussed around sort of mentoring is, you know, ultimately, when you, whenever you're sort of working with individuals, try and you know either get them to to get better in any sort of shape, way, shape or form. You know, 
it's certainly around empathy. It's it's a, it's a case of um, trying to almost think first rather than, like you say, being blunt. You know, there's different ways of um, of managing the individuals. You know, some people like like to be direct with them. So, for example, with, with the two mentors I've got, I'm very clear with them. I want you to tell it how it is. I want you just to be direct with me, and that 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 suits me. Mm. Um, you know, as 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 challenging or as hard some of the conversations you might have with me, you know, I have to almost I'll accept it because I know that you're trying to you're trying to get the best out of me and trying to help me. So as long as yeah. you, people understand that's how you are and you know you're almost transparent with that, you know, people are fine with that. You know, when I sat down with all my coaches at the start of the, the the year when I was first getting to know people, I said, right, how, how do you want me to be with you? Do you want me to be direct with you, or do you want do you want to be softy softy with you, or do you want me to sort of you know how, how do you want how do you want me to support you? So I put it in their court a little bit, and ultimately, if they turn around and say, "I want you to just tell it how it is," well, if I tell you how it is, don't come back to me saying that you're not happy with that. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Part, part of it is having that understanding of what people's hot buttons are, what you know, what gets the best out of them. Um, you know, in terms of um, behaviour, you know, some of the stuff of working around behaviour and that. We're going to be doing a lot, of, certainly, conversations and practice sessions with my mentors around you know, how you can turn people around, you know, and how you can almost support people to try and get them to to want to move in a certain direction. You know, that's mm. stuff at the moment which I'm quite interested in. You know, it's almost a, if you're trying to negotiate to try and work on a certain program or whatever it might be. Um, you know, and these are things at the moment which are new to me, really, in terms of how, how you get the best out of people. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to to probably seeing how that develops because it's it's only in its infancy anyway at the moment. Yeah, and it, well, listen, if you if you come across any magical uh, you know formulas, please do share that with us. Well, the, the, the only thing that came out of the one probably on Thursday was empathise first, make the right decision second, and that will help you improve future relationships. So. When mm. some people tend to just make a decision, and then they empathise, and actually they've damaged the relationship for future reference. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That was probably one of one of the areas that I, I you know, I'm certainly looking at at the moment in terms of, you know, put yourself in the person's shoes before you almost make that direct decision and say what you think. Sometimes that can be quite challenging. I mean, I've certainly been in a situation where I think to myself, "Why on earth have you done that?" And you almost you're ready, you've gone down that rabbit hole of, I, I can't even put myself in your shoes because I just can't comprehend why you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you ever, do you ever get that? I've had it. I've had it where I've almost just sort of, you know, I've been quite blunt and direct and, and then I've thought about it afterwards and, and thought maybe I could have handled that differently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. probably I've upset the person's feelings. You know, that, that, that's the same with players, you know, that there's... It was, you know, in terms of players, you know, different age groups, you know, we were talking about sometimes I've, I've seen it where coaches almost like having a moan at a player or, or group of players is they're not, not deemed as working hard enough. Actually, they're not taking into account they've probably had a full day at school and they're probably, you know, they've yeah. a lot. They've turned, they've mm. rushed to training and then you expect them to work like a first team player, you know, mm. for two hours on a, on a cold, cold Thursday night or something. So you have to sometimes assess assess the mood, assess the uh, what the individuals, you know, where they are. It's having that little bit of emotional intelligence. And again, it's, it's knowing the individuals, same with, same with 
players. There's certain players I could be direct with and they, they respected that and they accepted that. There were certain ones I'd have to almost sort of manage in a different way to get, to get an outcome. So, you know, we've, mm. we've certainly staff, you know, their experience, their experiences that they have will be different to the experiences that you have. The way they see things will be different to the way you see things. So, you know, something I'm looking at at the moment, just emphasising with, with individuals first, then then sort of making a decision on how to approach it and then hopefully it will then improve that, that relationship in the future as you, as you start to build on it. Because part of this role is all about building relationships and maintaining those relationships to get the best out of those individuals. Definitely. And just you know, just just on that, you know, you talk a bit about some of the expectations that coaches might have of players, you know. Has any and I'm sure you've got some, but what would you say are some of the biggest bugbears for you when it comes to coaching in general and in specific or in particular with coaches that you may you've dealt with in the past? It's funny, so one of the one of the coaches I was I was mentoring on Saturday asked me this, what what's one of the biggest bugbearers? Um again for me, I, I, I just like people to coaches to sort of say say what they say on the team, do you know what I mean? And almost just live and breathe what they're doing. You know, it's um I think it, you know that what I always ask the question, why do you coach? And why why what would it be like to be coached by someone like yourself? So put yourself in those players' shoes. What what do you want people to say about you as a coach? So mm-hmm. again, there's 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 Simple basics that you've got to have as a coach that's been structured, organised, set up, ready to go. You know, and the session, you know, the sessions will go however it will go, you know, but ultimately the players will make the session how they want to make it. You know, it'll be the players that bring the energy, it'll be the players that bring the, uh, you know, that, that vibrant session. But you've got to try and create that as well. You know, how those players sort of leave your session at the end of that two hours or that hour is, is ultimately down to you, you know. To try and get the best out of them, so you know, for me, in terms of bugbearers, I suppose really it's about people that are not organised, not structured, you know, not planned, and you know, when they're on that pitch, they've got they've got to be just enjoying what they're doing because it, it's through the players yeah. see through it. If you're enjoying it, the players are enjoying it. If you're if you're flat and you're sort of you know you just kind of like oh I've had a bit of a bad day today and I can't really be bothered and I'm just going to go through the motions and put on a session and get through it well that's what happens with your players nine times out of ten because they, they, they pick up on that so you know I think you've just got to be um, you've got to look at it and go why do I coach why am I in it why am I doing this because really I, I, I ne- I've never seen in 20 years of Plus, that I've been involved in it, I've, I've I never really saw it as a job. I don't mm. see it as a job. I don't, I don't see. I didn't see PE teaching as a job. I, I saw it as more, you know, vocation. It's something that you enjoy doing. The whole point of doing all these courses, the whole point of going to university, for me is, or you know, to, to go and do a job for life. You spend so much time working. Very enjoy what you're doing. Definitely, I, I, I just can't understand. I, it makes me laugh when I hear people that are in jobs and they don't enjoy doing their job and they, they moan about their job and I'm just always like, well, get another job then. Don't do it. Why, why <laughs> yeah. are you doing it? Why, why, why are you spending all your time, you know, doing a job that you don't enjoy? Yeah. Definitely. So, so uh, that that's for me probably my bugbearer really, just people that, yeah, that don't mm. enjoy it. Brilliant. And you know, just you know, just to kind of delve a bit deeper into that. You know, you don't, that might be one of your bugbears. But what would you say? You know, 
if I said, you know, you've got an opportunity now, 22 years to go back in time and talk to yourself when you first started in the coaching world, what would your what would be a message that you'd want to give to Mike Scott back then? Um, well, first of all, don't don't see the the, uh, the qualifications that you do as the be end and end all. You know, again, the qualifications you've got to enjoy the process. You've got to enjoy the process of doing those, the experience of doing those qualifications. Whereas probably twenty odd years ago, I saw the the qualification as the piece of paper that. You know, you get that piece of paper. You're you're that that A licensed coach, or you're that B licensed coach. It's actually there's more to it than that. There's you know the the actual qualifications, the process that you go on, uh, mm. you get the people you meet from that. Um, fall in love with that. Do you know what I mean fall in love with the process of becoming a, a top coach? Um, you know, fall in love with working with, on the grass. You know, just enjoy what you do. Um, you know, that's certainly some of the things that I've learned, you know, certainly over the last sort of um, 15 years, you know, and certainly 12 years at West Brom, I, I learned a lot really in terms of um, coaching and the environment and, and, and teaching, teaching the game. Um, you know, I think a lot, I, I get the impression a lot of coaches today, you know, certainly starting off, they're in a rush to get to where they want to get to. They're either in a rush to get to become an under 18 coach or 23s coach or you know, rather than just becoming a specialist within their their age group, the specific age group, you know, don't don't be so quick to, to want to become the under fourteen coach. You know, just learn your trade first. Just learn learn the different things. You know, speaking to the coach on Sunday uh, about it. So you know, if you get an opportunity to go in, you know, full time or part time, you know, you have to start doing the nines to elevens, or start within the nines, or start with you know you. At the beginning of your journey, enjoy that, and, and you'll learn so much from that specific phase for a period of time. And then, you know, yeah, you might have aspirations to be in twelve to sixteens, but you know, you've almost got to learn to do the hard yards first to make it easy yeah. when you get to that that sort of age, and then you you learn again. So, I think a lot of people they're, they're, they're very much in a rush to get to where they want to get to, you know. And actually, you haven't got you haven't got to be in a rush. You know, I was I was never in a rush to become an under eighteen coach. You know, the opportunity it probably came at the time when it was best suited for me to do it. Um, yeah, do you not feel that uh, part of that urgency for people to want to do that is down to the fact that you know generally the PDP roles or even the the upper end of the YDP roles tend to get uh, slightly more for you know. For their roles in terms of the, in terms of the salary they can command, yeah, there's always been that perception, isn't there? You know, from working at PDP level, I'm on more money, more. You know, also you get probably a little bit more kudos. So, yeah. so there's, mm. there's stuff like that. Some people look at it, go, oh, "I want to be an under 18 coach, 23s coach, because I want to, you know, want to have a name in the game, or want to be somebody, you know." Or, you know, it's almost like you you're seen as being at the, the top of your game at those those age groups, maybe, or you might want mm. to become a first team coach. So you've got. That's the process you've got to go through to 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 do that. The um, for me, it's you know I, I've I've seen some fantastic specialists within like the nines to elevens, twelve to sixteens that that just love working with those age groups. You know, it's almost having a bit of a recognition of what you are as well and accepting it. You know, and, and almost going well, actually, no, I'm going to become a twelve to sixteens. That's what's crying out for me really at academies you know, in terms of having people that are just really specialists within their field. 
and accepting it and, and actually not trying to chase, trying to be a first team coach or, you know, there's nothing wrong in, in that. But also, yeah. you know, again, there's a lot of value, I think, in becoming a specialist coach, whether it's a specialist 15s coach or 12s coach. You know, and like you say, some of the issues that you probably have is, is sometimes, you know, some of the, the, the senior roles or the bigger roles that hire up the, the academy pay more. Well, you know, it's 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 always been a debate for the last sort of six years, you know, in terms of um, you know, should the foundation lead coaches get paid more than the eighteens coaches? Because for me that they're they're the most important age groups. Because if you get it right, nines, tens, elevens and twelves. I mean, it makes the certainly the thirteens to sort of eighteens age group. It makes, it makes life so much easier. You know, some of the, some of the best age groups I've, I've been fortunate to work with. You know, it's all because we've had we had an unbelievable set of staff that work with them at foundation phase. You know, mm. the, the honed in on those golden skills that you know that that skill acquisition that's needed at those age groups. Um, you know, they're always playing catch up if they come into the program late. So. You know, I, I think there's a real, there's a real, um, for anybody that's wanting to go into coaching, you know, almost look at it and go, well, what, what am I best suited for? You know, am I, am I, am I, am I going to be an unbelievable expert at foundation phase? Am I going to be an unbelievable youth phase? Or, you know, am I going to work towards becoming an, an expert at PDP level and, and spend my mm-hmm. time doing that? Um, yeah. Or even that in possession or out possession. Yeah, like I say in possession or out possession as well. You know, are you a specialist within that? You know, it's mm. I mean, uh. certainly the way we always used to work was we would do in possession. We don't, you know, if it was me and another coach working, one would work in possession, one would work out possession during that during that um mm. that game. You know, and, and and then we'd flip it over the following week. So you're getting the the opportunity to do both. You know, yeah, so that you don't just become a one trip pony. You know, there's, there's just so many opportunities. I think for for people if they uh, if they look at what they actually do. And speaking of opportunities, you know, you, you know, you've had a, a long tenure at West Brom. Now moves into a head of coaching role at Derby County. What's next for Mike Scott? Where do you see where do you see yourself going next with this journey? I don't of yours? know. Um, I don't know. To be honest with you, uh, the moment is. I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing and trying to get the most out of what yeah. I'm doing and, and learning experiences doing what I'm doing. You know, every every role I've done has always given me new new challenges and new experiences. You know, at the moment, we, we've experienced probably the last three months, you know, all this, this COVID. This, you know, so, so at the moment, there's been a lot of focus this month on developing a remote individual programme, which, which is something new that I've never done before. So, you know, yeah. so preparing something in case of when we do go back, you know, the players have to still be remote for a few weeks. We've got something ready to go with. So that that's an and any advice on that front? Well the big, biggest advice really with it is is um having something in place for the for the players to be able to do across the week. You know, so you know, some of the stuff mm. we've been doing is just preparing sessions ready 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 for when we have to start. You know, so they've they've almost got a set of sessions across the week. Um to to sort of do, you know, so we've, we've we've done quite a bit around that. Um, you know, there'll there'll be other parts of the program as well, from lifestyle, psychological, to sports mm. science. They'll be doing, you know, and then ultimately we'll just be waiting to get back in the training ground. Then, you know, so as soon as we get the green light from the Premier League to 
to allow players back in. You know, they're, they're in a position where they're, they'll be ready, do you know what I mean, to just to carry on with, with the season. So, um, you know, some of the challenges probably this year we've had, you know, within this role is, you know, doing the e-hawk, going back into sort of having to, to do that, you know, having to do um, various different things around the CCF, coach competency framework, mm. um, you know, supporting the programme, supporting the coaches. So it's all new experiences that I probably haven't had in my previous sort of roles. So it's just going to yeah. make me better, you know, in terms of my, my own development. So, you know, enjoying Brilliant. what I'm doing. Fantastic. And just on that note, you know, talking of getting better and, you're, you know, developing in ongoing, that the ongoing development. If you had 60 seconds now for, I guess, some of our listeners to kind of take away something from this in the form of a golden nugget, what what would that be for you? Um, like I say, just have a passion for what you do. And if you, you know, ultimately, whatever you want to set out to do as a coach, if you're a grassroots coach that wants to go and work in an academy, you know, it's it's achievable. Anything's achievable. You've just got to find find a route to do it, and you've got to just be prepared to go and do the hard yards. And if that means you've got to go and do some voluntary work, you know, for 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 a season, you know, throwing yourself out there and going right, I'll come and work with you twelve for free for a season. You know, ultimately mm. that that mm. will lead that will lead to a job. You know, we've we've had a lad from um, that's been doing basically. Um, he's been on a coaching program from Loughborough this season. And he has literally done every hour he can for free, basically, because he's, you know, he has to do a placement. Uh, it'd be in, it'd be in all the time. He loved it, and actually, what it's actually done for him is it's actually teed him up um, an opportunity. You know, if, if a job comes up, it's he, he, he's put himself to the front of that line, really, in terms of, um, you know, being given an opportunity because of of how hard he's worked. So yeah. Things like that, and ultimately, from from the actual experience, he's ended up we've ended up getting him on his B license. You know, it's almost a reward for for the work that he's done. So, where he was yeah. sort of twelve months ago, you know, he'd never thought when he came in. Well, I, I would have had the experiences that I've had, and I would have been given the opportunity to go and do my B license. You know, and 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 that's where he is now. So, from my experiences, the more you sort of put yourself out there and are prepared to, to do the hard yards and do the work, you know, anything's possible. And ultimately, whatever it is that you want to achieve, you put your mind to it, you'll do it. You know, and, that, and that's yeah. been proven by, like, say, all the staff that I've worked with. They've all, they've all had aspirations, and you know, and Jimmy Shan's a great, you know, great sort of uh, recognition of hard work, doing the hard yards, and ultimately having a mindset of I want to be a manager, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna get that opportunity when it presents itself. I'm gonna give it me all. You know. You yeah. see big things from him, I think, over the next sort of two to three years. Um, you know, because he's just got that mindset. But... Mm. Well, look, th- th- there you have it, guys. Look, it's been another fantastic discussion again today with Mike thanks. Scott. Some brilliant insights, plenty of golden nuggets for everyone to take away and apply. I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. Um, as usual, I've been joined today by my co-host Ben. But a very special thanks today to our guest Mike Scott. Thank you again, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thanks for uh, no, thank you, Mike. Me. Appreciate it. Brilliant. And on that note, you know, guys, get in touch. Let us know your thoughts. What your key takeaways were from today, um, and you can get in touch with us. First of all, you can get in touch with me at the Coaches Network on Instagram or at the Coaches Net on Twitter. And Ben, if you want to let them know, you can get in touch with you. Yeah, you can get in touch with me. Uh... 
Twitter and Instagram at FocusBXN. Brilliant. And Mike, I'm not sure if you're available on any social uh, media outlets or anything, if you want anyone to get in touch with you, if you've got some way to get in touch with you at all. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on the site. I think it's on Twitter. It's hashtag, what is it? Is it at Mike.Scott DCFC? You can find us on LinkedIn. Um, get in contact with us at any point. Um, I'm also open to, to share. Well, there you have it, guys. You've been listening to another edition of the Coaches Network How To Series, where we discuss a range of topics and, with the help of our guests, break down some actionable how to steps for you to reach your full potential. Now, I've got no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again, guys. You know, your support is massively appreciated. So thanks again for everyone that's been tuning in, and please do get in touch with us and today's guest to let us know where you're listening from, to share your thoughts, your views, and your key takeaways from today's show. Along with any suggestions for guests you'd like to see on the show and any topics you'd like to hear discussed, ultimately, guys, the show is about you guys. So let us know what you're interested in, who you're interested in listening from, to get us and get in touch. And on that note, guys, you can get in touch on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. But please do not forget to use the hashtag The Coaches Network. That was the hashtag The Coaches Network. We need as much support we can get to keep this great content coming out to you. Now, lastly, guys, I just want to say keep an eye out for our socials on the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with our panel. Until next time, guys, take care and have a great day. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.